0: Look strong. Um, yeah, strong is good. Max, are you listening? Huh? Oh, yes, Chief. I'm just trying to figure something out.
1: What about the map, Chief? What map? When your day is long.
0: And the night. The night is yours alone. The love, which is itself awareness, is veiled and from that moment onwards the separate entity goes out into the imagined world, seeking the love and the peace and the happiness that is seemingly lost as a result of this belief.
1: Welcome to the Urban Guru Café.
0: Our guest this week is Rupert Spira. Normally, when we've imagined this initial division of experience into two things a subject and an object, we then further subdivide the object into a multiplicity and diversity of objects and hence we have the world full of people, places, things, situations, events, objects, houses, trees, cars, etc., etc., The multiplicity and diversity of objects. None of these actually exist as such, and when I say as such I mean as they are normally conceived to be.
1: What holds us is that?
0: What holds us as that?
1: Yes, as that limited subject.
0: The belief, simply the belief that experience is divided up into separate parts. That instead of experience being one seamless, indivisible totality made out of consciousness or awareness, there is a belief that awareness doesn't permeate all experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm equally, it just permeates this little cluster of sensations called the body-mind. With this belief, awareness is shrunk into the body. Of course, this never actually happens, but it is imagined to take place. So once we have, through belief, through imagination, shrunk awareness into the body, the world, objects, and all others jump, as it were, outside. So this belief that what we are is a separate entity is the mother of the world, the mother of the outside world. It is the belief with which the idea of the outside world is born. Once that belief has taken place, we are, as it were, destined, as this entity that we imagine ourselves to be, we are destined to go out into this imagined world seeking the love the peace and the happiness which is in fact inherent in awareness in fact it's not inherent in awareness it is awareness happiness is the nature of consciousness or or love is the nature of consciousness its nature of love or, or happiness is seemingly veiled by the belief that what we are is a separate person in other words by the belief that awareness is located and limited the love which is itself awareness, is veiled. And from that moment onwards, the separate entity goes out into the imagined world, seeking the love and the peace and the happiness that is seemingly lost as a result of this belief. And so we go out, we try to form relationships that will deliver love. We try to acquire objects that will deliver happiness. And we try to manipulate situations in the hopes of securing peace and of course we all know that this endeavor is doomed to failure so sooner or later we as it were turn round, and we question this one who is in search the separate entity that is moving around in the separate outside world in search of love peace and happiness and when we look for this entity we don't find it When we look for the I, we find the I of awareness, not the I of the separate entity. And when we look for the nature of this awareness, we don't find something located and limited. We find this open, spacious, unlimited, ever-present or eternal presence. And what is it that finds or recognizes this awareness? Only something that is both present and aware could recognize awareness. In other words, it recognizes itself. It comes, as it were, to itself. The dualizing thought with which we imagined that awareness is located and limited dissolves. And at that moment, which is, of course, a timeless moment because the mind is not present there, at that timeless moment, awareness, as it were, and this is just a metaphor, as it were, it tastes itself. It recognizes itself. And that is the moment that we all know of as love or, or happiness. When the mind rises again, it rises up out of this timeless taste of our own nature and it misinterprets the experience. It again recreates the separate I in the body and the separate you or world out there. And it says, I love you, or the object that I acquired was the cause of my happiness. So the whole round of seeking for love in relationships and for happiness in objects starts all over again and as we all know we repeat this cycle over and over and over again seeking love peace and happiness in relationships situations and objects until one day sooner or later it begins to dawn on us maybe peace happiness love doesn't reside in objects maybe we have made a a fundamental mistake going out into this world of objectivity looking for happiness and we turn round as it were of course it's just a metaphor we turn round and we question this seeking I and when we find that it is non-existent as such in other words as an entity right there the seeking I dissolves of course it was never there in the first place so the imagined seeking I the imagination ceases and awareness as it were tastes itself again starts with a belief that awareness is located and limited. There's only one thing that that belief cannot stand, and that is being looked at. As long as we don't look under our bed at night, the fear of the tiger that resides there has the possibility of remaining. There's only one thing the tiger cannot stand, and that is being looked at. We look under the bed, there's nothing there. There's only one thing the separate entity cannot stand, and that is being looked at because when it is looked at it is found to be non-existent so this ignorance and I don't mean ignorance in a pejorative or negative sense I just mean the ignoring of our true nature this ignorance thrives on inadvertence on not being clearly seen and when it is clearly seen it is clearly seen to be non-existent that is why in India they used to speak of the illusion of ignorance they don't speak of ignorance they speak of the illusion of ignorance because there is no true ignorance there is no real forgetting of the self there is no real separate entity it all takes place in the imagination and then it is further substantiated at the level of the body with feelings so the sense of separation validates and substantiates itself in the body with feelings and then it further substantiates itself with activities, behaviors. And in this way, the separate entity seems to grow very deep roots and it becomes this dense, sticky web of thoughts and feelings and activities. But at its heart, there is this belief that awareness is located and limited. In other words, there is just a simple, empty belief at its heart. The apparent entity, the sense of separation, is extremely skillful at surrounding itself with layer upon layer upon layer of feeling and belief. It even appropriates the spiritual teaching in order to maintain itself.
1: You're listening to the Urban Guru Café. What do you mean exactly when you're talking about appropriating? How does it appropriate? What does that mean?
0: It means it can take anything and, and use it for and for sort its of
1: claim it as it being yes, part it of itself.
0: Claims it as its own. I mean, the sense of separation doesn't mind what it uses to validate itself or to substantiate itself, as long as it substantiates itself, <laughs> it is happy.
1: It doesn't matter words, what form that substantiation it doesn't takes. Matter.
0: You know, when the separate entity is going out, it doesn't mind what it dresses in, as long as it dresses in something. <laughs> to begin with, it will find all the conventional means of validating itself, but once we become interested in, in spiritual matters, then these conventional means substances and all the usual addictions that we know about whether they're just subtle or or more displayed once we become interested in spiritual matters the separate entity feels that it can no longer hide in the conventional addictions to substances and relationships so it has to find a more subtle guise so as we become interested in spiritual life the separate entity and of course I'm just caricaturing it here The separate entity thinks, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll just appropriate the spiritual teaching. I'll make that my new identity Uh and I'll take refuge in that. I'll use that to substantiate and validate myself. So it appropriates the teaching for itself Mm -hmm. and, and, and strengthens itself, validates itself with all kinds of spiritual practices and fools itself that it's trying to get rid of itself. In fact, getting rid of itself is one of the more subtle means, and in fact it's not very subtle, but getting rid of the ego is one of the ego's main tools. It's safe sometimes for decades.
1: <laughs> keeping up that activity.
0: Keeping up that. You know, that, that, that's as good as drugs or, or anything else. Yeah. Getting rid of itself, it can keep itself busy, It can perpetuate itself for 20, 30, 40 years quite happily trying to get rid of itself, meditating for hours and hours a day, you know, whatever it is in each case. I'm not suggesting that meditating for hours a day is necessarily an activity of the ego, trying to perpetuate itself, not at all, but it can be. So the ego can appropriate anything at all. It's a past master Mm. at using anything
1: An activity continues, so therefore it just continues owning, as you say, appropriating all of that as it doing something, you know, as it making choices and making decisions, etc. Yes,
0: yes. There's only one thing it really cannot stand, mm-hmm. and that is when we actually turn around and look at that very entity itself. Mm-hmm. As long as we're busy in activities, however spiritual those activities are. Then the separate entity is safe. But once we turn around and say, okay, what is this entity, this seeking entity, whether it's seeking in the conventional forms or in the slightly more subtle forms of self-help or spirituality or religion or whatever it is, as long as it's busy in those forms, it's safe. But once we turn around and say, hold on, just stop where is this entity who is this entity that feels that there is something missing that there is something lacking that needs a relationship in order to find love that needs an object in order to find happiness when we look for that entity then its days are numbered mm. because it's like it's like going into an, an old house with many many rooms and we start searching the house for the old crutch the old man that lives there and we go through all the rooms, the kitchen, the bathroom, the attic, the cellar eventually we turn out all the drawers, we turn out the cupboards, we look everywhere, and eventually we don't find it. And we turn around and we we realise at some point we've spent our whole lives serving this non existent entity that we imagined ourselves to be, mm. believing what it told us about finding happiness in objects, finding love in relationships, and our culture has encouraged us to do so. Even our spiritual culture, for many people, in many cases, has encouraged us to manipulate experience, to seek extraordinary experience in order to find peace and happiness. Sooner or later, the whole movement out into the realm of objectivity, it fails us so completely That we turn around and and we think, okay, who is this one? And we do not find it. What we find instead is this presence of awareness, which has no, no limits, no location. And therefore, there is no experiential evidence that it is located inside a body, that it was born, that it is evolving, that it will die. As we go more and more deeply into this, it becomes clearer and clearer that what we are is this unlimited, unlocated, ever-present awareness. And gradually, in most cases, gradually, the, the mind and the body slowly begin to realign themselves with this deep conviction. Instead of dancing to the tune of a separate entity, The mind and the body and in time our activities and our relationships begin to dance to the tune of this open, spacious, unlocated, unlimited awareness. But that's realignment of the body and the mind. And subsequently our activities and relationships takes time in most cases, in almost all cases, because of the habit, the force of momentum, the mind and the body have been Dancing to a different tune for so long, it takes some time. And and the reason I mention this is once this recognition of our true nature has taken place, it doesn't mean we just live happily ever after. Everything falls immediately into place. The old habits of thinking and feeling on behalf of a separate entity continue to arise and can be quite confusing. In fact, many people talk about a a kind of a, a very confusing transitional stage where it becomes clear that what we are is this unlocated unlimited presence of awareness and yet the old habit of thinking and feeling on behalf of a separate entity continues to appear so there is what could be called a sort of transitional period where the body and the mind slowly realign themselves with our new understanding and in most cases That takes time.
1: And when the night is cloudy There's still a light that shines on me Shine
0: until tomorrow Let it be
1: So I think that, you know, you were saying it, that the self can't withstand scrutiny, really. And the separate self, yes. Yes, yes. yes. The separate self Absolutely. cannot withstand the scrutiny. And so if there is this examination into this believed in entity, because you're being told it is believed in, that scrutiny does have to be, in a sense, revisited, you know, or, or there's this revisiting of that. yes. Like, I think it'd be great to talk a little bit about the process of scrutinizing, you know, because we're so accustomed to examining things with mind. We think that this scrutinizing, this looking for what is it that I am, who is this I that I think I am. You can't do that mentally.
0: Yes, the actual exploration of what we are is not a mental exploration, but it may be initiated by a question such as, I've completely failed in my life to find the happiness that I deeply want. Mm -hmm. So it's legitimate to come to this inquiry through a thought such as that. I'm not suggesting it's the only way. But so a thought like that may initiate the inquiry, this exploration of our experience. But the exploration, in order to be thorough and to go deeply into us, it needs to be more than just a mental exploration. It's not just about the question, who am I, who am I, who am I, that is such a superficial interpretation of what self-inquiry is. It's really an experiential exploration of what we are. And that means just starting right now with our current experience that, for instance, in this conversation, these words are being heard. Or whatever we're looking at, there is seeing taking place, there is hearing. Taking place. What is it that is aware of these words? Whatever that is, is what we call I. As we said right at the beginning of this conversation, we normally conceive our experience in relation to this conversation as I hear these words. I is conceived, is imagined, and more than just imagined, is felt to reside inside the head. I inside the head, I, this little aware entity inside the head, is listening to these words, is hearing these words. Okay, so let's go to our experience of this listening I, this hearing I, this aware entity in the head. Our only experience of the head at the moment is a cluster of sensation We can't see our own head. There's just a cluster of sensations. Go into that experience of the sensations. Do we find awareness there? As an actual experience, can we locate awareness inside this cluster of sensations called the head? Because this is where we've imagined it to be all these years. A point, usually, or a small, tiny location right in the center of the skull where I resides, where this point of awareness, the separate entity, the hearing entity resides. Do we find it? No. On the contrary, we find this amorphous cluster of sensations called the head floating, as it were, appearing in this I of awareness. We have no doubt that I Awareness is, is present. If we ask ourselves right now, am I aware or am I present? The answer comes back, yes. That yes comes from, a, from an experience, a non objective experience. But when we look for this eye of presence, eye of awareness, we simply do not find it. We don't find it in the head, we don't find it in the other main location, the chest area, the feeler the lover, we don't find it located there. We find a cluster of sensations there, yes. But we don't find awareness there. On the contrary, we find the cluster of sensations that we call the chest or the head or indeed the hand or the foot or whatever, we find all these appearing in awareness. But when we look for awareness, we don't find anything. It knows its own presence it is aware of itself all the time which means we are aware of ourself all the time because we are this aware presence but when we look very simply not philosophically not intellectually but just simply in our experience and say what can I say for sure about this awareness we can say that it is present that I am present and that I am aware, it is aware. And on top of that, we superimpose belief after belief after belief. Not only am I present and aware, but I am located, I am limited, I was born, I'm moving through space, I'm a man or a woman, I'm of such and such an age. All of these are superimpositions on our experience. We have no actual experience of awareness being any of these things. That is, awareness has no experience of itself being any of these things.
1: There's a glimpse of it, but then it automatically, like you said, it becomes my awareness. But the fact is, there was no me in that.
0: Yes, the my is referring back to the little imaginary entity that is located inside the head. But when we look for that me, for that my, we don't find it. The my was always a presumption, a fictional entity. So awareness belongs only to itself itself. It is only known by itself. And the experience of awareness knowing itself is not an extraordinary metaphysical experience. Just the simple experience, I know that I am. Right now, if we ask ourselves, am I present? We pause for a moment and we say yes. That yes comes from the knowledge of our own being, the knowledge that I am. Now what is it that knows I am? Only that which is present and aware could be aware that I am. In other words, it is awareness alone that knows itself. Right there, right here, in the simple experience of I am, is the knowing of our own being, is awareness's knowing of itself. It is the most simple the most obvious and, in fact, the most familiar thing we know. And in time, if we make a deep exploration of our experience, we find that it is the only thing we truly know. For sure.
1: You've been listening to the Urban Guru Cafe.
0: is produced in Australia.